Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. We've done industrialization a few times now, and they all go from majority agrarian to majority industrial to majority consumer. And Asia is at best halfway through that process. So even China, that's something like 57% urbanized. Japan, South Korea, and Taiwan all got to sort of 75, 80% urbanized before they really slowed down and looked much more like a, a slower growing, developed, mature economy. G'day and welcome to the Equity Investor Journey podcast brought to you by the Australian Shareholders Association. I'm Phil Muscatello. Today, I'd like to welcome Julian McCormack, Investment Specialist at Platinum Asset Management. G'day, Julian. G'day, Phil. So you've described yourself as a contrarian. How's that working out? Uh, relatively well right at the moment. <laughs> Let me describe what, I, what that means in ways that sort of make sense to, to us. Yep. All we're seeking to do is to buy assets cheaply. And that sounds really simple, really facile. The problem with that is, is we all get distracted. We all get convinced by narratives. We all feel that things are exciting. So it's really interesting that the language people use around an investment, they often use words like exciting or revolutionary or that always distracts us. It always drags us away from the ability to buy things cheaply. And and the reverse is true. When things get cheap, they feel bad. So that makes it very difficult to consistently sell things when they're expensive and buy things when they're cheap because there's always reasons for them to be expensive and cheap. So we, what we're trying to do is um, find areas of neglect or discomfort where markets are, are you know, sort of unhappy with things, and that's usually in the presence of uncertainty, and or avoid bits of the market where people are overexcited, you know, where there's, there's just too much hype and, and hoopla, and we might even short sell that stuff. So, so um, borrow stock and sell stuff so that when, when the price falls, we, we benefit. That, that's what we're trying to do. So can you describe the process at Platinum that you go through to um, ensure that you undertake value investing? So we've got an investment team of 32 people. And what that is doing is an analytical level. So about 25 of those people are just pure analysts. They're just looking for ideas and analyzing those, those ideas. What they're seeking to do is to build a library or what we're seeking to do is build a library of ideas that we can, the portfolio managers who have to buy and sell stocks can dip into and know that we understand that business, know that there's not something in there that tricks us. Uh, there's not some sort of debt facility or there's not some sort of crazy financing structure or there's not some contingent liability you know, around a polluted site or 
you know, just any of these things that you, you need to understand. So, so there's this research process that's underlying all the activity and that's sort of always ongoing, right? And then on the on top of that, you have execution where we've got three dealers and, and eight portfolio managers and what they're seeking to do is to execute on those ideas in a timely way in markets and be mindful of where neglect is. And then they can inform the research process too and tell me what to look at. It's sort of much more like sausage making than than I think people who, who watch movies about, you know, hedge funds or whatever would appreciate. It's it's much more steady than that. You've just got to steadily get through it and, and execute on the ideas, but but just constantly be generating the ideas over time. So, so Platinum basically focuses on international uh, markets, don't you? You're not really focused on the ASX. No, that's entirely right. Well, we can own stuff everywhere, yep. but, you know, Australia's 2% of global equity markets, you know, has been relatively expensive for a fair while. So we don't own a lot here. We would own way less than 1% of our funds, which is about 20 billion, way less than 1% of that is in, in, in Australia. The easiest thing I think for people is our big fund, which is the international fund, which is sort of an all weather, all, it's all regions, all industries. There's no limitation on it. And basically what we're seeking to do is take away the necessity for people to make those choices, which I think is Mm -hmm. tough. It's tough for us. Um, so, so for people who aren't, you know, professionals, I think it's very tough. And then as a secondary thing though, the Asia fund, I think, is very interesting as well. It's a very big fund as well. So the, the international fund's $9 billion. The Asia fund's 4.2, something like that, billion. The Asia fund's an interesting one because it, it, it diversifies people a lot away from what they are naturally going to hold if they own shares. They probably ain't going to hold a whole lot of China or India. Mm-hmm. So, so from that perspective, it can be a good diversifier. But to give you the full list, we've got a European fund, a long-only fund, a tech fund, a brands fund, uh, a healthcare fund, and a Japan fund. What we're seeking to do with that range of available asset pools is provide institutions the ability to diversify. It's less about getting mums and dads in, you know, into a Japan fund or a tech fund. It's more about asset allocators being able to uh, do that through us. So Asia really is an exciting area at the moment, isn't it? Because it is forecast to grow a lot more than the West, yeah, that's right. And the assets are cheap by and mm-hmm. large. Yeah. Not universally. India is quite expensive, but mm-hmm. most Asian markets are pretty cheap. And there's a reason for that. So we've had a really risk-averse period in markets for the last sort of 10 years, basically. You know, anything cyclical, anything that's sort of emerging markets in inverted commas, because China's not an emerging market. It's the second biggest equity market in the world. And in most measures, that makes sense to me, the biggest economy in the world it's kind of emerged. <laughs> Why do we get the opportunity to buy stuff cheaply? Markets have wanted to have bond-like exposures or tech that feel like they don't have a, a cycle attached to them. Because look, we had this sort of, we had the GFC, then we had this sort of quite anemic recovery, the slow employment growth, slow rates of economic growth, not very rapid trade growth globally, and a strong dollar, US dollar, and that doesn't benefit emerging markets. And then at the end of that whole process, then you get a trade war, then you get the COVID-19 event. So it's been lousy for you know these emerging markets of Asia. They're a bit more trade exposed than most developed markets, in inverted commas, 
they're they're a bit more cyclical as well. You know, they, these economies do have bigger ups and downs than you know slower growing developed markets. So there's a bit more volatility, but that volatility brings with it more opportunity. So you get this sort of higher expected return than you can from um, developed markets. And the other thing too is we're pretty early innings for a lot of these economies. We've done industrialization a few times now. There's a few different parts of the world that have done it. And they all go from about 25% urban to about 75% urban. And they go from majority agrarian to majority industrial to majority consumer. And Asia is at best halfway through that process. So even China, that's something like 57% urbanized. Japan, South Korea, and Taiwan all got to sort of 75, 80% urbanized before they really slowed down and looked much more like a, a slower growing, developed, mature economy. So the Platinum International Fund described to me the number of uh, countries and areas and regions and sectors that it covers. So, so it covers everything. We can buy stocks in any country. And look, we can also buy you know, virtually any asset we want. We don't do a whole lot of that. We actually basically just want to own equity. It's the, it's the bit of the capital structure that we understand the best and we think gets the best returns over time. That's what we buy. So shares, we go and buy shares in businesses all over the world. And the way that gets expressed in reality, in actuality, is we have around about 20% of our money in the US, around about 20% of our money in Europe, about 20 in China, around about 10 in Japan, and then probably five-ish in South Korea, Taiwan, India, and then you know, little bits and pieces around that. We don't have fixed allocations or anything like that, but that's, that's how we've, we've got that fund expressed at the moment, and it's been like that for, for several years. And that's just a, an expression of where we see the best opportunities. And, and I understand, of course, that um, past performance is no indication of uh, future performance, but um, what, what, what are you kind of um, the headline figures that you've got for that? Yeah, so over 25 years, uh, the International Fund has compounded at uh, just over 12% versus you know, the broad equity markets that are given seven. So it doesn't sound like much, but the compounding effect of that over 25 years is, is, pretty, is pretty important. And I noticed as well in terms of the fees, you've got um, a variety of fee structures. So some you can pay a fee, a higher fee, or you can pay a lower fee and um, a performance fee. That's right. Tell me how that works. Yeah, that's right. So people can have a 1.1% base fee with a 15% outperformance fee, or they can pay 1.35% flat with no performance fee. The funny thing about that is we designed the fee structure. so. We're not really giving anything away for free in the performance fee structure. We'd expect to do pretty well out of that over long over long term. And um, apart from funds, you've got other products like LICs, haven't you? Yeah, that's right. What we're seeking to do with those is just to provide the same strategies, same underlying product, but just with a different access point. So for people who are reliant on income, a franked and steady dividend is valuable, and so therefore an LIC is valuable. So we have two LICs for our Asia fund and our international fund, and they provide a more steady income stream that's franked rather than a trust, which the, the unlisted funds are. They have to flush out all their realized returns in the year they're realized. And then in between those two, there's a listed, effectively an ETF. It operates like an ETF 
for both the International and Asia funds on the Australian Stock Exchange. That's PIXX and PAXX. And that is a performance fee-based product that is, is exactly the same as indeed holds units in the underlying unlisted funds. So it's important for people to understand their, um, their overall needs and also the tax treatment that uh, would best work for them. That'd be the case, wouldn't it? That's definitely right. And, mm-hmm. and the other thing too is I just think people absolutely must get advice on this stuff. We all need it. If people don't think they do, just remember, you know, Rafael Nadal has a tennis coach. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, we all need one. <laughs> might be the best tennis player in the world, but does he have a coach? You bet. He's got a whole coaching staff. So anything you take seriously in life, get a coach. Recent events have changed the way people are thinking about their own health. So the International Healthcare Fund is of particular interest at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. It's, it's an interesting fund. It is run by a PhD in virology who did a lot of early research work in HIV. Then we were lucky enough for Bianca, who's German, to move from Germany to Australia. And we were lucky enough to hire her as an analyst uh, 15 years ago. And she's been running the healthcare fund for over, over a decade. So the nature of that fund is that it seeks to think like a, either a CEO or business development officer of a pharmaceutical or biotech business. And so it's looking for emerging technologies as well as things that can pay us a dividend and, you know, have a low price earnings ratio or whatever. Because in a lot of the healthcare industry, Financial metrics are going to arrive if the technology works, but you don't have any financials to rely on in the near term. So you've got to know the technology in the near term. So it's an interesting fund. It does more um, private investing than any other fund that we've got. We've got a relatively privileged position globally among sort of healthcare financiers and companies. Um, Bank is very well known by lots of those sorts of people. And it's very science-driven. It's not driven by things being cheap or expensive. It's driven by this is a very interesting scientific platform or breakthrough, and we need some exposure to that. And, and, and so it's, you know, it's, a, it's a very interesting fund. So it really requires a lot of scientific judgment and um, knowledge of that particular sector to make any responsible decisions. It really does. Yeah. yeah, it really does. We look forward to hearing more from you, Julian, and um, thank you very much for joining us. No, thank you, mate. Great, great, to, great to talk to you again. And if you're considering an investment in any fund managed by Platinum, you should read the latest product disclosure statement for the relevant fund, available at platinum.com.au. This podcast is for information and educational purposes only. It isn't financial advice as we don't know your personal financial situation, so you shouldn't buy or sell any investments based on what you've heard here. Any opinion or commentary is the view of the speaker only. This podcast doesn't replace professional advice regarding your personal financial needs, circumstances or current situation. 